You're jealous. She tried the same thing with me, but she didn't get as far. And that's why I'm not going to give her another job. I don't believe you. Which part? Welcome to the end of Mad Men on the Idle Thumbs Podcast Network. This week we are discussing the ninth episode of season seven, the final season. I am Chris Remo. I'm Sean Vanneman. I'm Jake Rodkin. And this episode is called New Business. It is called New Business. Do you guys want to take a guess what happens in this episode according to the official AMC uh, capsule summary? Megan and Don say their, say their goodbyes. Don bumps into a friend at a restaurant. Roger spends $200. <laughs> Good. So in so this is this is what is officially one? stated yeah. to have happened. Uh, Don tries to make amends for how he treated Megan while Betty decides to start a new chapter. What? Oh. <laughs> that gives Her a, new chapter is some quick, fly yeah, clothes. Yeah. She was looking so good with her like upturned sort of collar with a, that whatever you would call that that sleeveless jumper thing so she was, let's, yeah, really, let's talk, she was looking so good so okay so i want to talk about that scene which was the first scene of the show before we do that uh i want to talk about overall impressions what did you guys think of this episode i was not impressed I, oh really I, yeah i i was okay i i might end up bridging between these two guys because i was not really into it when i was watching it but like literally sleeping on it and waking up it grew on me a lot between when i watched it so i had a vision of you like unplugging your roku and tucking underneath your pillow (laughs) sorry literally i mean i mean (laughs) i slept on it when when people say that they sometimes mean just come back later but like you watched it last i watched it last night woke up this morning and was like okay there's there's more to this than i was giving it credit for when i was watching it but as it was unfolding and immediately afterwards not super into it oh really i really like this episode in as a companion to last week's because it felt like last week's was this i mean i enjoyed watching last week's more last week's was this sort of ethereal sort of dawn wandering in it through a half dream state Mm -hmm. in this episode felt like just reality like every scene was just like i didn't feel that way that's interesting happening like something concrete is happening like literally all of his shit is gone from his house at the end like the tangible things are gone that was really good everything felt like real to me yeah it just it felt like the stuff that was inside of this episode as i was watching it felt like it was like a half an episode of more potent madmen worth of content inside of an hour which was frustrating yeah, given that i that. know that there are only six yes, of these things exactly left or whatever you didn't feel like the episode was dense enough is what you're saying in terms yeah of, i think so yeah. i think that a lot of these things could have been b threads in two episodes that had a way more substantial something else going on inside what are your of examples of those things out of curiosity i don't i mean just because everything felt primary to me but that's just me i think they're running the diana thing pretty thin like, it's over now though right I guess, but it felt like a lot of nothing in this episode for me. Like, she's introduced in that sort of ethereal way you describe, but she's kind of still living in that mode while Don is just kind of, like, banging his head against it. Like, it's not... It feels so weird for this late in the show, so close to the end, to have just kind of another one of these where Don's existential, like, questions about himself are reflected through some character who really only exists to be his, like surface to to Mm -hmm. like paint his brain onto uh like she's got a dead daughter like it's just so like okay i don't know there was something just that felt really i liked how 
I le- I just love the portrayal of her in the apartment with the vodka and everything. I thought that was just like it didn't feel as cliche as it sounds to describe to me yeah. when I was watching it. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it's just Don bouncing off of someone else's story in the way that he does so often in the entire series. Uh in this what, I guess two episode arc that I think is pretty much over. It just kind of I don't know. It it's, it was a punctuation of things not changing in his life that I really liked. So I guess. my thoughts on this episode are probably not going to be complete until I see what next week's episode sure. is for okay. sure. Because, yeah, yeah. because there's that, which I felt was, I don't really know what the point of it is really. Cause I feel like Don is getting, there's enough other things that are reflecting Don's state without like needing a another for me without needing this like prolonged encounter with a, with like, this kind of kind of like mysterious woman presence in it. Um, so that's one thing, but then there's also the whole thing with the photographer who felt like she just sort of blew into this episode out yeah. of nowhere, just like came on so strong to everyone. It's like, what is that character? What was, is yeah, any I, of I this? Agree like, what is well. going that on? That was the weakest part of the episode. Yeah. I thought, yeah, but I liked, I mean, gosh, I was really into that story as it was happening at first. Like I liked. I was, it was into it at like first because I really Woods liked character. what it was doing to Stan. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And then it just ended up being Stan just ended up becoming a, like a foil for whatever it was. Yeah, going it to felt like it was just, happened to Peggy, and that like it, it felt like it was the, this episode's like sitcom thread, or just like it was like a, an internal to this episode motivator for Stan and Peggy's story. But it felt so much cooler as a weird external force that was going to be what felt like a long term shakeup, but instead it just I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Man, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about Peggy for a second in in terms of this episode, uh, because I think this is when well, Peggy's stories are actually at their worst. All of the primary characters are given such tiny, like Pete's thing was this tiny little. It was I like that conversation. Good that was a great scene. Yeah. Good scene. You got to wear those like, golf pants too. <laughs> I want to talk about that when we get to it. But Sean, continue. Oh, uh, Peggy, Peggy as sort of emotionally like having strange emotional boundaries and awkward and stiff mm-hmm. in face of that stuff is getting really tired for me. Whereas I thought last week's episode was putting us on a new path for Peggy with, she went on that date with Stevie mm-hmm. and it ended up going really well. And then she woke up the next day and felt silly about it and mm-hmm. got all like blustery to her coworkers mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. Typical Peggy. And I think the show is actually doing the character short shrift because Peggy used to be a very, very complex character. Now it's just sort of like, I know exactly how she's going to react to everything. Right. So the moment that the photographer whose name was like Ped. Oh, Pima. 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 Pima Ryan. I think. Yeah. When Pima came onto her, I just had already, the problem with scenes like that is that I'd already written the following scene between Peggy and Stan in my head. So when that scene that happened, way. you're like, okay, yeah, yes, yeah. obviously. And that just feels like just like Peggy is like a, like a, right, like a what is the world, what is the world where Peggy had been like, we should keep her around for a little while. And you're like, what is that motivation? But instead it's like, <laughs> oh no, shut it down. Right. And I feel like Peggy having those sort that sort of like that relationship with her superiors is just like, okay, yeah, uh-huh. We get it. There I was a, the same way with it in terms of her. There was a thing that, that, uh, that Matt Weiner, the the creator of the show, said, I think in in the gap between the first and second half of the season, where he said like, so it, you know, he wants to make sure that in this final 
half season. Like I think he called it a swan song. He's like every character is going to get their little like thing to cap them off. And I'm like, it almost I I don't like interpreting work through things the creator says about it because I think that's just like a bad. It can set you off on like pointless like mental right, pathways you're where you're interpreting scenes as as that as right. opposed to just it's as opposed to what actually resulted regardless yeah. of like what he wanted to right. result. But because of that, it's hard for me not to look at the like inclusion of this photographer, you know, five episodes before where there's no more of the show ever again. And it almost feels like she, she's here just so that Stan can get his little, like little last arc with Stan. And like, yeah. it's just ugh, like, that just seems like a pointless reason. To, I, I hope very much that that's not what's happening. I, I hope think, so too. And that's why I'm bothered. I shouldn't be interpreting things that way. Cause it's this, this episode in individual moments had a lot going on for it and on the whole i wasn't for me i guess but the feeling that i did get from this is what i talked about last week a little bit is the feeling of a lot of early season madman stuff where just you watch this and you're like this is interesting kind of like you have a lot of opportunities to read things into it the show isn't really telling you what anything means but that's just because it's setting a bunch of stuff up and like i mean chris to your point it's really hard to know what the heck this episode even means until we've seen one, right. two, three episodes after this and sort of the velocity that this, ep- mm-hmm. what, whatever direction this episode is starting velocity yeah. towards the end of the season in, it's so hard to know. Or it's like, is that scene stands like swan song scene or is it totally irrelevant? And it's right. actually because that ends up being about how that lady ends up in a like relationship with Sterling. Like who, the, you know what I mean? Like there's, <laughs> right. you know, and she, like it could go, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really hard to know. And that like, it makes this episode strange to talk about on a mm-hmm. podcast for me. Well, it's because it's not satis- It's not a satisfying episode. But yeah. like that's very Mad Men esque to just give you non satisfying episodes oh, yeah. Usually, in the process of something else. Yeah. But you're like, it's really hard when there's a terminus on the season. <laughs> right. You're like it's over <laughs> after this. So yeah. uh, what are we doing? You know, yeah. it's like why are we making small talk? Well, the, like, other, the plane the, is going into the mountain. <laughs> so the other thing is that this show is also is like fully capable of while it's doing that being really really satisfying right like i i think that last week was a great i really liked last week's episode and i thought it was a good example of that um on the scene level i would really like to talk about the the opening scene with don sort of like playing house in a house that is not his uh with the children that are um i thought that was that was a great example of a thing this show can do really well which Mm -hmm. is like in a very short amount of screen time get a lot of stuff from a lot of characters all on the screen at once, very succinctly and not pretentiously. And like, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this episode did not always live up to that, but in that I, there were some scenes that I thought were fantastic. Uh, and that was one of them. I thought it was so, it was, you see Don in there in his like kind of dad, casual, like, you know, dad, casual attire. And, uh, he's like making milkshakes for, for uh, Bob is Bobby because, Bobby and yeah. uh, and baby baby Draper who's now a, <laughs> yeah, a small child his name, but uh, yeah, yeah some terrible but uh <laughs> and it was just such a like domestic bliss kind of thing and I love that that Betty walks in like pretty far in advance of Henry so that we get this like almost like alternate reality it's like weird flashback Dawn, image almost yeah, yeah exactly Don like Betty in this like perfect outfit and and don like sleeves rolled up like still looking pretty good because he's don um and they have like nice banter with each other and she's like i'm going back to school and he's kind of like slightly skeptical but also like kind of 
supportive because he supportive, has the emotional yeah. distance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of what's funny about that moment, right? Whereas if that was just the way they were able to have an actual romantic yes. relationship, they yes. would have been a successful couple. Absolutely, you exactly. Know? And I think that's a thing that they've really nailed in this show numerous times is showing the ways in which Don and Betty get along better now than they did when they were married, which probably reflects the way they got along before they had kids, right. before they'd been married for years, you know, like there was a summer camp before Don like was quite season, so married right? to his yeah. work. Yeah. And yeah. like those moments I think are really touching and really believable and really effective. And I, I really liked this one. I thought it was really good. And Don is so bummed to leave at the end. You know, that's well, Henry, Henry making a milkshake. On, <laughs> right. Does he wearing it? He's like dressed really nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because then, they were at a benefit. No, yeah, they were meeting. Tux, they were right? meeting a like distant Rockefeller, which Betty is so pleased to be able to report. Right, that, that she like dined with some distant Rockefeller, which she tries to like downplay as like oh, but she's stoked about it. It ends with Henry like, making a milkshake using the milkshake machine, right? Doesn't isn't the end of that? Like, I'll help myself. He's like, I'll make my own because yeah, yeah, Don's like, oh, give own. Henry a sip of your. Give him a sip of milkshake, and he's like, I'll make my own. Yeah, I just I like that guy. He's definitely in just, drinking Don's milkshake. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He just helps. He just, I like that. It, it's, yeah. It's, it's whatever Henry is doing could be that sentence could be used without nouns in a lot of ways and could mean a lot of strange things. But yeah. Yeah. It's, I said last week that there was a non zero chance that the season ends without Betty Draper being on screen again, but there she was. I'm glad. Really the first great. shot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it would have been better with, with that. Sure. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. I yeah. could see the show. The show has enough cojones to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Last week did not show Betty or Megan, and this week was open with Betty and had a lot of Megan. We should talk about the Megan stuff, actually. Yeah, I the Megan stuff was all over the place. Um, I thought it was great, actually. Yeah. That was the thing so, I thought so was what the do strongest you, stuff. So the here's the thing that I don't know. I honestly don't know how I feel, so I'm, I'm uh-huh. curious to hear your thoughts since you liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, what do you make of the fact that the last time we saw Megan, it was probably almost a year ago in show fiction terms, and her, her her breakup with Don seemed to be fairly civil, and now it's just totally collapsed, and she is just kind of frustrated all the time with him. Uh, like it, she is de- very different, whereas Don is very similar mm-hmm. to how he was last time they were at it. I mean, I think it's because that's what happens in a divorce. I think the lawyers yeah. get involved. And the resentment starts and you do see divorce as like a life failure. And it's even brought up in that scene with her sister and her mom. Mm-hmm. Where she's that like, stuff I like. We lot. need to support her through this failure. And she's mm-hmm. like, come the fuck on. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, and I think that is that just warps you into a like, resentful monster of the person who's forcing you into it. And like, even though Megan was the one who called it off with Don, Don Don's actions destroyed the relationship over well, the course of them. And I think also over the course so of them, I mean. <laughs> one of my one of my like suspicions as to why Megan is so frustrated at this point is because she's probably even though, as you say, even though she's the one who who broke it off explicitly, um, she knew what she was getting into when she started seeing Don. She said she she had sort of said as much on a couple occasions right. in the show. She's aware of his like habits and so on. Um, and I think she is now very frustrated that she kind of let herself, she let herself like walk into it. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, exactly. she resents, I mean, she yeah. resents Don because of 
her choices and her failures you know like a divorce is 50 50 no matter you know i mean almost almost all cases and i think there's probably argument to be made one way or the other with don and megan's but uh you know i think she just like her career is not working the way it wants to work you know like a lot of things aren't going well for her so going through this thing that you can prescribe to another person that is just you know a complex emotional and social failure makes you i don't know it all kind of it all rang really true to me yeah it was it was tough because the things that she was saying from a rational standpoint don't track but from a just like you're a person standpoint they track or like she was a secretary and then she got married to don and he gave her the financial and like personal space to have the career that she has that doesn't mean that she is not entitled to scream that he's ruined her life. Well, but, he also deceived you know. her for a yeah, He year. also totally like, fucked up the relationship horribly. Yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. He. In, in addition li- to everything else that he does. For no reason at all. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Where she, like, and yeah, because he, he was on. He had been basically fired. Right. From, yeah. But was unwilling yep. to, to yeah. own up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, yep. even, didn't tell her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I thought him writing her a million dollar check was like. I don't know dramatic in a in a tv way well especially especially in contrast to earlier in the episode like haggling and the kind of quibbling over a 500 hundred dollar check right right he goes from being from being like what need more money already 500 dollars fine you know he's so annoyed at having to write 500 dollars and then you know it seems 20 like minutes of television time later yeah, he just wants everything done. That's with. that's an element though of like of though, of. Actually. Oh, me too. I was. Yeah. I'm not disliking it. Like, yeah. Just like current state of Don also seems to be just like getting trying, rid of everything. He's trying to pay all of his debts and like settle everything. Did Don in the empty apartment at the end of the episode remind you of the opening credits? I think that's the closest we've oh, got man. to imagery from the opening me. title sequence of yeah. that guy coming back to a place that was his and just everything has disappeared. Wait till he's falling out of the window. Oh, in episode <laughs> fourteen. I think they already basically <laughs> got that moment a year or two ago when that elevator breaks and Don right. and the. the elevator shaft yeah, opens and John just looks yeah. down and it's like okay That's done it, it. Yeah, got che- it like, Chekhov's fall is completely yeah, satisfied like, yeah but yeah. yeah but again like this Don walking into that empty apartment as a representation of whatever's going on and like us also knowing the complete backstory of why that apartment is empty also feels like one of those things where it's like this is as close as we're ever going to get to the goofily demanded by fans like thematic connection between mm-hmm. the imagery that right. we've been seeing in the show for so long in the actual yeah. show but also that was just all it was just good mm-hmm. that that bit as like as someone who disappreciates all the set design and co- costume design of the show kind of stoked to see what his apartment looks like next week <laughs> like oh, yeah. you know that's... what i mean like the moment i saw it all empty yeah. i was like oh, don't oh, to buy all new shit oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that or he just lives in the empty one yeah well that's what i'm saying it's like it'll that's be also interesting right yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. even like the the sentence that you said i was actually just happy about it for what we saw this week where it's like you see this fully like a pointed, nice apartment. I actually just liked seeing the set just empty to be able to actually see in full detail the, mm-hmm. the architecture of that space. You could really see the like recessed conversation pit style oh, living room den? going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stupid Definitely. house. I love it. Yeah. Also, I've always thought that Don was the one who ended up picking all the stuff for that apartment, but he just keeps saying that Megan did it. Is that incorrect? Or is that, I think that's said at some point in the show. I think I, I, or Don is at least more responsible for all of the stupid choices in that place than he, than he lets on to people. Where did I get that impression? I don't know. I mean, the, the pit is not a thing he would have chosen. He no, he means the like the, uh, the no, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't. 
I, I, I seem to remember her doing deck, like doing some decorating hmm, okay. when like back in the actual show. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so related to Megan, I was really split on the Megan family stuff because I thought that the interplay between Megan and her mother and her sister is really good. Like that stuff has always been good in right. my opinion. Like it really nails a really very particular blend of kind of cosmopolitanism, but also like sort of repressed traditionalism, like this very specific combination of sort of like elegant kind of modernity and also shame. Uh, it's, it strikes me as like very French and it makes me wonder if like, is that do, do sort of traditional French Canadians have that also? Like it's stri- It definitely strikes me as like more just of like a specific kind of Europeanism that like, I, I don't know. Maybe that's also a thing in Quebec, but I, but I like it in, in this show. I think it's well represented. Like it's well, or well portrayed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, but I was less sort of enchanted with what also kind of felt to me like I, I think I have to stop framing everything as but this like swan song thing where I'm like oh and her mom's back and now she's like with Roger again and she I guess I like, like has left stuff. her husband like suddenly like I I don't know that I, I feel like so I feel like, like that conversation between Megan and her sister there at the end was just like posturing and drama okay. like I have no you don't actually think I don't that, think it was like I mean maybe yeah but I bet she ends up just going back to her husband in France eventually like Canada, remember that right? guy they or Canada, Canada in Quebec. Yeah. yeah. Montreal. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That stuff felt like, like dramatic family posturing to me in a way that was like in a, in like trying to throw guilt around mm-hmm. in giant heaping yeah, portions. I could buy that. So like, who knows? Sure. I, I think it's more of a, and I like that. I think mm-hmm. that feels really true to life. Yeah, man. Fucking Megan. What an asshole in that scene though. <laughs> Just like, I thought she was such an asshole in that scene. To her mom? No, to her sister. To her sister. Oh, yeah. Because, like, the, the the thing that's, like, not on the table in terms of Megan's attitude towards, like, her, like, towards her sister is that Megan's just been made a millionaire. And, like, she's just like, whatever. Just deal with your problems. Like, whatever. You know? And I just, like, what an asshole she was in that moment. And I thought that was really, that made that scene really interesting to me. Like, Megan newly minted millionaire divorcee interacting with her sister who's distraught over these things that are happening in their family. Yeah. I really like that scene actually. Yeah. Megan was just sort of like, just fucking deal with it. Uh, also on the sort of Megan track, there was that scene with Harry Crane sort of trying to insert himself uh, into her. Literally like, (laughs) (laughs) no, (laughs) um, I, I really liked that. I thought that was really good. Partially because, so in his like failed attempt to kind of tack on his like sleaziness to this sort of ostensibly professional discussion uh, and just completely botching it, like just bad call from the start. Um, I thought it was one of the more, it felt like a, like a really honest human moment to me. I mean, like he, that was like, he did not make any good choices there. So I don't mean to like, suggest that i endorse his choices i'm not saying but a it, hum, like not a humanitarian moment right <laughs> right yeah. but it felt but unlike a lot part of what was a little frustrating to me about this episode generally was how much of it seemed like it was there to like tie off a character arc or like create some specific dramatic reflection for dawn or something whereas this just felt like an actual 
human being doing a dumb thing and then a reaction that was genuine. And like the whole thing was just like, okay, man, oof, <laughs> this is hard to watch. Uh, but also like, I totally buy it. Yeah. It's as this show has sort of gone into the seventies, it's been fun watching the aesthetics of all the characters change. And Harry Crane in this scene was like in his most prime sleaze form as well. Just like mm-hmm. from his hair and outfit and stuff. Like he's now it's, it's not what I would have expected of that character, but it's not surprising that he's become the character who sits down at lunch with a beautiful woman and says, I'll find you an agent. Right. By which I mean, I will sleep with you. Uh, yeah. You're yeah, going through a hard time. Yeah, it's just, it's not, like, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not where he starts in, like, the mid-60s stuff, but, like, it's, you could yeah, see him ending there as, like, as the TV guy with the computer. You yeah. see, like, the seeds of it, if you go back and look, where, like, if you remember the night after uh, Don's birthday party, where Megan did the, uh, the dance for him? Oh, well, I know that, I know that Harry's always sort of, like, carried a torch yeah. for Megan in particular. No, not even for Megan. I mean, they're, like, talking about the, he's, like... Oh, you went to Don's birthday party. He's like, oh, yeah, let me tell you what happened. And Harry's like telling one of the other people at the company about the evening, but in sort of like a what, yeah. I, what I wouldn't do. <laughs> like, I don't even know how. Yeah, lascivious crane. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and then she hears him and it's just like a little moment. <laughs> uh, so that scene is all I could think about. Yeah, I, were, I, would, I remember there was a germ there. of this somewhere and I couldn't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. But yeah, when he was just like. Maybe I can make that happen. I'm so excited about it. I'm going to go make some calls right now. I was like, oh, wow, that's really – oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Gross. Oh. The be- the best thing about that to me was the payoff when he's talking to Don about it and he's like, she might be saying crazy things. And, and at one point he's like, look, Don, I mean nothing happened. As though he has to reassure Don and that like that that just like misjudgment. Of, yeah, where Don is like, that was <laughs> – yeah, he gives the look of like about- my brain was not there at all. <laughs> You're Harry Crane. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was really good. I just – that whole thing was I thought like just – that like that scene there's a few scenes in this episode that I thought were just really strong mad men scenes in terms of being able to encapsulate oh. so much in so little time and I would say that the like opening scene with Betty and then also uh Don t- like getting arriving to meet up with Pete to go for the golf game Man, not dressed but before up. you get talk oh, yeah, before sure, you go talking to Pete just the one thing that I I wrote down and forgot is that when Harry's talking to Don about that and he says you know like Oh, you know, not that anything happened. She totally hates me. He ends it with like a tiny power move where, cause he was like leaving her soap to go to LA was the worst oh, idea. Yeah, and then he yeah. walks away, which is like yeah. the choice that you made was stupid. Uh-huh, it's basically uh-huh. what he says, then leaves. And, and it was he kind of, he kind of like gets a point on, that's what on, I mean. on like, with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. that was just, yeah, that was like a tiny little, just like power move dig mm-hmm. before he walks out. Even yep. though he also like that, that doubt, I think he successfully sews in Megan as well. Yeah. And not that she needed it to be sewn. Like she's already feeling pretty crappy, but like. I feel like Harry Crane, even though his well, like, with, intended move does not pan out. Like with Megan, it was like weird nagging, where he's like, "You're better than the shitty roles that you have." I mean, you do have a lot of shitty roles. Weird, but then with Don, it was totally just like, well, "You, I think you like fuck Harry's up." Harry's game. Harry's yeah. really good at it being a fuck up, and then also sort of like, getting the needle, knowing what to say in the room. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you want to talk about Pete and his golf clothes? Yeah, I don't have that much to say about it. I just, I just thought it was amazing. I mean, this is just an example of what the, the of uh, like Pete 
at his sort of just most outraged best, right? Where Don comes in just wearing the clothes Don always wears, and Pete is just like, like in a clown I'm costume, dressed up in this golf shit, and you're not wearing anything. And then like, Don, even wearing Don, yeah. yeah, Don's like, I'll just throw my tie over my shoulder and roll up my sleeves. They'll love it. And Pete's just like, oh, they probably will. <laughs> he's, so, he's so mad that Don is right about that. It cracks me up. Yeah, yeah. I really like their conversation in the car too. I thought that was good. This sort of divorced men talking about like how they thought their lives were going to go yeah. and what they see. And I thought that was a nice economy of a scene as well. Yeah. 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 But it was really good. Speaking of Don in clothes, Don like getting dressed to the full, like 10 scale of business dress to answer the door. At three when in the Don- morning. <laughs> that was another one of those weird, like that because Don's arc with her feels the most like the carryover of the weird sort of surreal dream stuff from the last episode because that ended with don being like i'll meet you at the restaurant basically is what he said and then you see him looking like he's getting dressed up to go out the door and then he opens the door and she's there and then they've just agreed off camera to meet somewhere else i like that yeah i know oh one thing about the pete scene this is the stupidest aesthetic detail but the seatbelts clipped up above the door mm-hmm. of that car because it's a car with really old style seatbelts and it's obviously right. way before mandatory seatbelt law was a crazy flashback to me when i was like one to three years old or so when people still had 70s cars and i think i don't know when california seatbelts were 100 percent legal in california but it feels like when i was yeah when they were mandatory I, I believe that was like early 80s but like that was just an image that i hadn't seen with my eyes right. for yeah. so long that just yeah. seeing that clipped up seatbelt above the door window was was crazy anyway yeah. sorry my madman always rubbing it there in your face my grandfather never wore a seatbelt ever Huh. I don't think he ever wore one. How many cars time. was he su- successfully ejected from instead of being killed? <laughs> <laughs> Landed on his feet yeah. on train tracks. <laughs> train got him though. Do we have? Do you want to? I guess you're looking at your notes, but oh man, I'm sorry. One more, just little observation. Uh, Don and Diana in the elevator with Sylvia and Arnold. That was like a, this is like a clue oh, solution. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a crazy thing and kind of like. Oh man, how many women have you have been in this elevator? That's not what that was about, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, although it kind of was, it kind of was, but it was about one specific woman who was also in that elevator. But yeah, Arnold doesn't but, know about that. No, Arnold doesn't know about right, that. right. But Arnold was the one who said, "Like you're exhausted." Well, weren't <laughs> you know? they buddies? I mean, they were like they're buddies. buddies. Yeah, they're they're yeah, still yeah, buddies. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's why it was. It was but Don's response and a woman whose name I can't remember his response was Diana? definitely yeah. No, what? So Sylvia? Yeah. Diana? which one sylvia is, sylvia is the is the neighbor woman right right yes, yeah, yes. yeah 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 her and right she and don obviously were just like <laughs> that whole scene anyway i don't know whatever i always really liked her character yeah i mean i kind of feel like the diana stuff is weaker because of characters like that already having well, right, come and the, gone the, the, well diana's in, in this such a similar like, way we're I mean, we're crossing funny. sylvia's path we're crossing rachel's path and it's all through the lens of diana who is basically a non-character other than her end of episode exposition stuff right that's, that's i don't know if that's i mean that's I mean, kind of the point i guess that but don made her he's you know don just said i don didn't doesn't it's not about that you know i don't know i like that i like that at the end i don't know i still said that i said i said that at the yeah. beginning of this episode that when all the Diana stuff just comes home to roost while they're in her shitty studio apartment. I thought that was... A, none, thought of, was none of it was really... Know. just None of it just read for me. And maybe I'll look back on this in a couple episodes and be really into it. But so much of this episode to me, in the Megan thread at its weakest points and the Dawn thread at its weakest points, you feel... Like, for me, I feel like on paper this stuff is 
really good and like the ideas of it are really good and where the characters start and end in this episode there's good stuff but it feels like a thing that on the page would is more interesting to me and therefore probably as its role in the whole season is probably more interesting to me than the execution in this episode it felt like there are a lot of scenes that were interesting and had interesting ideas and brought the characters to interesting places but as scenes just all felt like kind of flat or not as deftly handled as great madmen yeah i mean i think it's hard to be i think it's hard because you have you you need a bunch of mundanity for great madmen scenes to exist i think there I are think. great mundane madmen scenes though sure i mean i really let's liked, combine great I and liked, mundane I in all possible with diana a lot like there was something about seeing a woman who has recently chosen this life for herself this sort of like this um exiled and destructive situation that she's put herself in in new york at the beginning of it when so many movies and sometimes in life you find people in their 50s and 60s who are the byproduct of having made that choice in their forties. And there was something about seeing her at the beginning of it where you're like, Oh, I know where you're going to be in 10 years. And it's really, really fucking sad. And Don knowing it, mm-hmm. it's just like really nice. I really liked that scene a lot. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was really well done, but that's just me. Eh, I kind of know what you mean, but I feel like the show is not, is just inevitably not going to do her justice. And that. right. That's I, like, I don't need the show. You have to, to like, look forward to that. Yeah, that's fair. Like, enough. You, you got enough. Like, I was yeah, like, okay, right. I know well, where this is going. We've probably all set our piece on that, but yeah. So move on to Reader Mail? Yeah, from you, so, the readers. Yeah. If you have any uh, questions or observations or anything you'd like to for us to address, you can write us at madmen at idlethumbs.net. Yep. So our, our first Reader Mail comes from Francesca Vanneman. Ah, I know this woman. You do, because she uh, birthed you. She is h- responsible for half of my genetic material <laughs> and she, my blue eyes. <laughs> she writes, hello, it's Chris, true. Jake, and Sean. Hi, it's, Mom. It's very different. She's, she's writing about uh, the, the previous episode. She writes, it's very different seeing this through your eyes as I lived this timeline. I know I'm up there in age. Ha ha. My mom is 60. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> I'm just in case that it's not old is the point. Like, well, I'm just like yeah. a young woman. <laughs> Having listened to you podcast, I wanted to scream out loud. Don just saw the graduate. Mrs. Robinson inspired him for the chinchilla coat advertisement. That's how Don's mind works. In his favor, he has empathy, but his training is that of the 1960s and 70s, where the uh, where they were the bad men women loved to love. Uh, so, I thought that was, yeah, my mom texted me after listening to last week's episode, and this went like, "Oh, the graduate," especially in an episode that was dedicated to Mike Nichols, right? And yeah, I was director. Like, oh, of the yeah, it's it's <laughs> like, oh, dedicated so to the director of the graduate. Then opens with a weird Don Draper like inverse power dynamic of the Mrs. Robinson scenes. Yeah, graduate. Like, oh, and we all we're just, dumb. Yeah, oh, uh, we like, are children. I saw the graduate <laughs> once, and it was in school, and like that, and I should now see it again. Yeah, I've obviously. seen it a bunch, and I, it's really great. Yeah. Thanks, mom. That was a very keen observation. Yeah, oh, that's good. and literally, I just stood at my phone uh, at my phone, and I think I I texted you guys this in all caps, like we are fucking idiots. Yeah, yeah. It's just owned by mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Charles Wheeler writes. Uh, he's discussing the "What is Mad Men?" question we were at, that we were asked. Uh, he originally posted, I think, this on the forums, um, by the way. So if you're interested in discussing uh, Mad Men, the show, or uh, this our podcast episodes, we have a great forum community that uh, is active at idlethumbs.net. And if you go click the forum links, you, there's an end of Mad Men forum. Uh, and that's where this came from. And then he emailed it into the show. So he says, to me, Mad Men is the most concerted exploration of existentialism in pop culture that'll probably exist in my lifetime. Uh 
he says existentialism is kind of anathema to the American self-image. He says, I think the overt sexism evidenced by the McCann douche bros was more than simply exposing behavior that was always unspoken. The end of an era tagline isn't the era of Don Draper. It's the end of an era of Burt Cooper. 60s became the 70s, Cooper's death, the moon landing. We've transitioned from, if not a genteel era, a more reserved one. The effects of the social upheavals of the 60s are coming home to roost. Previously, sexism meant simply knowing that men were better than women. You didn't need to say it out loud. In the new modern era, these declarations are made explicit in public. During the Cooper 60s era, there was a thin veneer of civilized behavior holding in all the unrest and inequality. Now that veneer has shattered and everything is on display, much of the explicitly bad behavior we saw from previous seasons was from outside of our society, as represented by Sterling Cooper, clients like the sleazy Jaguar guy. This has always been there, but we've been shielded from it, for better or worse. I found I found your reaction to Ken's decision to sign on with Dow Chemical rather than retiring to become a farmer or novelist interesting, albeit somewhat predictable. Uh, I can see where people self-employed in a creative industry would be pushing for him to follow his dream, to choose self-fulfillment. But for me, there was no choice. Buying a farm and writing novels, these things are dreams and fantasies. It's tied up very closely with the sense of masculinity at the time. Consider how Don could not accept that he was being pushed out of the company, the company he built. To accept defeat in this way would be a failure for Ken. His wife presented the option of using her family's money to survive in the meantime. To rely upon his wife in this way would mean a failure as a provider and a man. Recall how Pete reacted when Trudy offered that they use her father's money to buy an apartment. The structural societal pressures are stacked solidly against Ken. Ken's defining characterization is that he's from Vermont, which would have been significantly more conservative than it is today. It's not impossible that he would have chosen differently, but it would have been wildly out of character for him to do so. The idea of sacrificing income and stability to chase your dream is a fairly modern one. Ken was only one generation out from the Great Depression. It takes a while to forget things like that. Thanks, Charles. Keenly observed and well articulated. Really yep. good really good email. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Charles. Yeah, also, I didn't expect Ken to go to the farm. I was just sad that he didn't. <laughs> yeah. And the amount of pleasure that he took in sticking it to everyone with his new job actually stung really hard for me because oh, really? I know... Oh, well, it was delicious, but I know that like the pleasure that he's getting right there, like the cost of that is the rest of his adult life. Yeah. <laughs> he stuck it to those guys, oh, but really man. he was just like he, like you're done. You work at Dow Chemical in their sales department. Like cool, enjoy that gold he's watch. He's head of marketing. Yeah, oh yeah, head of marketing of Dow Chemical. Yeah, think about that guy's life in 1995. <laughs> A lot of gold watches, man. <laughs> Roger yeah. Sterling's dead. He's got everything he wants. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was you guys want to call it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for. We should Jake's just. We should something. really, really quickly just a shout out to the NAC acronym as a good invention. What? No afternoon calls. Oh yeah, no, no afternoon, afternoon calls. calls. Yeah, 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 very good. That was good. very good. That's all. Yeah. I would have Sean. I would have named this episode NAC had I worked on this show because that is a hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. Uh, or this episode. In an episode with a lot of French language, you are looking very French today. Thank you. I'm wearing a striped jumper. Yeah. It's over like a, hor- a, over a black horizontal t-shirt. striped with like the three buttons at the top. Mm-hmm. And you're, you have it unbuttoned, so it's very French in all ways. Yeah. I either look like a young, like a, like a, like a seven-year-old French boy or like a, <laughs> like a criminal. Like a hamburger. <laughs> from, a, from, a, from an old <laughs> cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I won't be here next week, guys. I'm going to oh, be traveling, yeah. so uh, I might send some thoughts in, but I'll be watching the episode. All right, cool. So, all right, guys. Take care. Cool. See you guys next week. If you enjoyed the show, uh, please consider rating us on iTunes. We've gotten some really nice reviews, and I am sure that it is helping us out a lot in terms of visibility on the uh, iTunes podcast section. So yeah. thanks for those who have done that. Great. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, tell a friend. You can find all our information at endofmadmen.com. See you guys next week. Bye, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>